Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Michael Jones is a motivator, on and off the court. The game of basketball has been a part of his life since he was in diapers, and now that his playing days are over, he coaches at Pasco Hernando State College in Florida. Michael's book, titled Motivating Illustrations of Faith in Basketball, goes all the way back to James Naismith and explores the symbolic connection between the sport of basketball and faith. He's joining us today on Sport Faith Life. So let's get started. Well, we're so excited to have Michael Jones with us today. Michael, uh, we're going to start with the question about uh, about sports for you. Tell us a little bit about sports in your life. Yeah, so um, I'm Michael Jones, and uh, I, I just grew up loving watching sports. So my father was a ball player. Um, so when I was in a young kid, I was in the gym, probably in diapers, watching basketball. So uh, I grew up around basketball all my life. Um, my uh, sister played basketball. My brother played basketball. We all were college athletes. But just growing up watching sports, and my dad would have this travel team that they would go, and um, a lot of these guys played college, and they would just go around, and they would play different teams all over the region. And I would get in the van with them, and I would stop at the you know gas station, get my chips and juice, and then – we just go watch guys play. And then it just became second nature. And then it wasn't – my father didn't force me to play. It was just almost like I wanted to because I was around it so much. So um, I got into high school, uh, played varsity as a freshman, and then uh, got the opportunity to play uh, junior college basketball and, and became all-conference uh, back in uh, 1999 and 2001. And then, um, you know, and, and I was a, a – a, post player like Charles Barkley. I was like a five in college and everybody was twice my size. I'm only six, four. And I was playing the five position in junior college and everybody I'm playing is like six, nine, seven foot. And, but, so I had to be strong. So I was a strong guy. Um, but the reality was I was a division two player, but I wanted to try to walk on at division one for my position. And it was just not in the cars, but I didn't understand the business. So, um, my college playing career was short, but then I got into college coaching, but I was coaching middle school in 2005 and I've been coaching basketball ever since. So my coaching career kind of went boys and girls, middle school, uh, JV basketball, high school, and then pulled right into junior college just that fast. I mean, just that quick. And then I've been coaching junior college since 2010 and I haven't stopped. So uh, sports just been real near dear to my heart, specifically basketball. And I love a lot of other sports. I did. I actually did shot put at Florida state when I was there. Um, when I tried to walk on, um, for basketball, but it didn't work, but, um, played baseball at a young age. It was great. Uh, played football. I was a quarterback tight end. Um, so I, I mean, again, it, I just love sports, but basketball was my, was my heart. It always has been. 
Well, that's actually the the right answer. I got to tell you how much this warms my heart that we have <laughs> a, a basketball guy with yeah. us here on this yeah. podcast. I mean, that's just I am my heart is full right now. I, I love that answer. Learning basketball through osmosis, learning to love it just by being around it. What a cool thing! Um, so, tell us a little bit about faith in your life, Michael. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, being a a Christian and and loving. And being faithful, uh, growing up, you know, you know, you you had morals, you had ethics, but you didn't have a choice. So I I was forced to go to church when I was young. Um, that was the culture. Um, so I always knew that every Sunday we're going to church and then go to Sunday school. And uh, sometimes I would go to different churches. And uh, the church we went to was Baptist, and then we would go to a non-denominational church where my grandmother was at. And um, and, you know, it just was a part of nature, just like basketball was. And you just went. And so um, as I got older, obviously, I wanted to do my own thing. But as that same time when I didn't make the team at Florida State. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit to kind of go forward on my faith journey a little bit. When I did make the team, I was in a depressed state when I didn't make Florida State. So uh, when it came to basketball. So. My faith had a, 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 an awakening where I had to figure out, like, well, now what I'm going to do, because I've never been cut before from anything. And that was drastic for me. So now what do I do with this, all this, you know, basketball? Because I can't play anymore. And see, I'm from I'm from a small town called Brooksville, Florida. So you either did it to the highest level or you didn't do it at all. So I, I felt like if I couldn't do it at the highest level, why do it at well, I do anything with it. So I was going back to church. I was in Tallahassee and I rededicated my life to Christ. And uh, and so I um, start having these, you know, dreams or these encounters with 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 with, with God. And he telling me, well, I go back to basketball and do this, do that. And that what brought me back to basketball with a different perspective of how I can teach the game and help service people at the same time. So um now I'm, you know, on the board uh, for Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Hernando County, which is in uh, Spring Hill, Brooksville area in Florida. Um, I also teach at my uh, local church, uh, Damascus, Damascus Mission Faith Outreach, uh, teaching there. And um, so and then, you know, and then while I'm coaching, I'm just teaching biblical principle while I'm coaching my college guys. So uh, faith has been a real uh a significant part of not only my life, but then even what I do as a job, even what I do as a, a coach. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's been my faith journey and I'm still on it. You know, Michael, we, uh, both Chad and I are both nodding our heads a lot because uh, your story is a lot like ours. Uh, I grew up in Christian homes and uh, ultimately you get to a place where you're making decisions uh, that are not uh, those of your parents, you're, you, you own them in a new way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of us can, can describe that story, but the, the intersection there of one of our other loves, which is sports, right? Absolutely. We've had uh, that opportunity to sort of connect those sorts of things. And then you start asking yourself a number of different questions along the way, you know, the, the coaching where we relate to, I know Chad doesn't give me a lot of uh, uh, props for my basketball history, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, maybe I didn't earn it, but you know, well, 
I'm an old hoopster as well. Come on now, come on. Uh, yeah, Chad throws a lot of shade my direction, but I, that's all right. Uh, you know, th- th- that's our shared history. I wonder if there's something about Michael Jones that is m- maybe a little more surprising to the listeners. So, g- give us something about your life that's uh, maybe a little off that that path. Is that in relation to still to basketball or something different? No, give us something different. Give us something about your life that maybe people wouldn't expect. Oh, well, I mean, I, I would say I, fishing has been also real big in our family as well. Um, I didn't know until like maybe a year or two, my great grandfather was a fishing guy. Uh, I, I take that back. I used to wear braces when I was a junior senior in college. And so when I would go and get my braces, you know, retightened, the orthodontist, his name was Dr. Springstead. And uh, he told me my great grandfather used to take him on fishing tours in Bayport. That's a place by the Gulf here in Florida where uh, there's a, a old port where they used to bring ships in back in the day. But he was a guide there, a fish guide, helping people fish. And he told me my great grandfather was his fishing guide. So. When I was a kid, my dad used to take us fishing a lot, you know, just for fun. Um, so fishing is a real big uh, relaxation for me and fun at the same time. Now, the ironic thing, fishing was my, you know, place of solitude of uh, just connecting back with nature and recalibrating any stress or whatever the case I'm dealing with. It was the most relaxingest thing that I could ever do. And um, I just grew up fishing and I still love it today. I take my kids fishing. Um, I love it. But I guess that would be one thing that some people that don't know about me, but I'm, I'm down to earth and I like to do simple things. And I'm an outdoorsy guy. Um, so, yeah. I feel like when I, when I encounter uh, this from people, people that I don't know very well, but, but are getting to know and I like these people and all of a sudden they hit me with, you know what? I, I fish. There's something about like people who fish and, and have done it as a part of a part of their lives that seek solitude in that way that mm-hmm. I just, I, I just like, there's some connection there. I'm not sure I can articulate exactly what it is, but I like people who fish and I sort of, maybe I'm a little bit jealous because I, I don't do that myself very often, or I don't find solitude in it. In fact, I find the opposite frustration, mm-hmm. um, much like when I play golf. So I avoid those two activities, but I appreciate those who can appreciate those things. I love golf. Um, I had my, my teammate um, in high school, Matt Burkhart. He taught me how to play golf my 11th grade senior year, and I fell in love with golf. And I play golf quite often now. I even take my kids and play golf because um, I never grew up playing golf until about junior, senior year. And uh, it was fun. And ever since then, I've been, I got a set of clubs. My kids got a set of clubs, and we just go out and we play. It's great. Well, Michael, I don't know how old your kids are, but I'm going to start recruiting right now. So, uh, yeah. Okay. If you could just, uh, I'll give, I'll get their number and we'll, sure. we'll contact them. See if I could get a few scores, just send them my direction. Uh, Absolutely. Just Maybe a swing video, something like that. That'd be great. Sure. And that's all I'm going to talk about golf. Cause that would really, it's going to make Chad sad if this ter- uh, steers in the direction of golf. So <laughs> we'll stop there. 
but yeah, my my assistant coaches for for what I think they love to be out fishing much more out much more than they like to golf and they're both excellent golfers. So oh, wow. fishing just resonates with certain families, certain people. I sure. aspire to fish, but like Chad, um, I'm not very good at it. So it's a, it's a fun, um, sort of, uh, experience, but it also, it gets into the DNA of people, doesn't it really people mm-hmm. love, uh, and affiliate with fishing much like they do with other sports. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about, you've started to get into, you you continue on in higher education, mm-hmm. and then um, you, you wrote a book. Um, yes. So our listeners may may or may not, I don't think it's on the New York Times top sell, you know, best-selling list, um, mm-hmm. much like Chad and, and my book, you know, they, they don't really jump off the page as much. Give our listeners a sort of a quick uh, front-to-back overall thesis of that book. Okay, so... Back when I was starting back that faith journey I was talking about, um, sometimes when I deal with the spirit, you know, he'll give you something that's quick and you don't have to break a sweat doing it. So one night I was just, you know, at the house. I was in Tallahassee living at the time and uh, he gave me these these lists. So in my book, there's a page where it says hypothesis and he just kind of gave me these symbols of these items in the gym and positions with players and kind of relating those back to the Bible. And so from there, I kind of drafted uh, a schematic of symbolism of basketball and the church, and then kind of formulated a book from that or what you call somewhat of like a devotion of how we should do this. So uh, for example, um, I related the basketball to the word of God because there's uh, there's flesh there and there's air in it and there's life in it when you bounce it. So it has three states. It has the outer it has the outer. Sorry, I'm in this motion sensor room. Sorry about that. And um, the Bible um, it, now the basketball does not replace the Bible. We know that. Um, but it kind of gives an athlete to understand who Christ is through the ball in which I kind of generated a symbolic way of looking at basketball through God's eyes and how he would want us to relate the game. So I actually went back and looked at all the history of basketball. So I took a journey up to uh, Allmont, Canada, where there's a Naismith and uh, Tate McKenzie Museum where Naismith was born. And I... um, got permission through the Naismith uh, legacy group and Jim Naismith, which is his grandson. Jim Naismith lives in Portland, Texas. He's probably in his eighties and still within his right mind. And um, he gave me an opportunity to go up and, and uh, you know, sign the book and then put the book in the museum as an artifact. And the book is just, uh, it's not, it wasn't really written for, you know, the money and being a new bestseller. It was mostly for connecting with people in the sport of basketball and teaching about who Christ is. That's mainly the main thing. And, and then, so they accepted the book as an artifact. And then I got another opportunity to go to Kansas university library and do some research of over all the Naismith documents that were created by him and also John B. McClendon. And the stuff I saw in those documents were remarkable. 
Um, he had uh, ledgers of athletic apparatuses that he drew, drew built, uh, talking about bigger, stronger, faster back in his day, uh, which, which he was doing. Um, that was also that conversation about uh, muscular Christianity, I believe. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. Um, there was a lot of amazing stuff. And the best thing I saw in there, it, it's a lot of cool things in there, but the best thing I saw was his book from 1912, either before or after World War One. He put a quote in there and it said, the responsibility of basketball will be left for the referees, but the coaches have the most responsibility of all. I remember that quote. I wrote that quote down and I left that quote near and dear to my heart because I, when I wrote the book, I published the book when my son was born and I did that for a reason because I wanted to give birth to helping basketball players or coaches of refs understand not only what Naismith initiative is is inferring, but this is what I believe he would want us to understand what we should be doing with basketball. We should be getting people back to Christ, uh, understanding who he is. And when I talked with Jim, when he went to McGill University, Naismith, his grandfather, he said, the reason why I'm going to McGill is to teach people about who Christ is, period. Period. So, so when we think about one of the greatest games in the world, basketball, it's great, but we have to take a step back and reflect, well, who is reminding everybody about who Christ is through the games? And sometimes with all the entertainment, and I love the entertainment. It's great. I love it. It's great. But it has to be somebody that's leading the way there. So I'm just trying to do my part and help get people back to Christ through basketball. You know, in the hustle and bustle of, of basketball rhythms throughout the year, um, it's easy to forget some of that. But uh, one of the really fun things about the sport of basketball, from our perspective, is that uh, you know Naismith was a uh, you know wasn't trained to become a pastor and and created the game while at the Springfield YMCA International School, and so it was it was created within a Christian context, and mm-hmm. and that seems to be the focus of what you're saying here. You know, there, there's there's plenty of books out there about Naismith and about the history of basketball. And that's not exactly where you go, although you're informed by, your book is informed by all that. Mm-hmm. It seems like what you're doing is um, is making this sort of symbolic connection here mm-hmm. between the sport of basketball and, and the church. And that's really fascinating because that's a step that Naismith did not himself make. Correct. Even though he did, he obviously saw connections, was very... Um, uh, deep into his faith throughout his life and, and cared deeply about basketball throughout his life. But, you know, he, his, his focus was on character development within the muscular Christianity That's right. ideology. And so right. um, it, it seems like any reminder we have about the, the, the Christian context in which the game of basketball originated mm-hmm. are, are super helpful, even though the game has has grown beyond sort of this beyond, you know, the Christian religion. It, it's global, right? It's played by That's people right. all over the place. That's and right. yet, at the core for Naismith, it wasn't about competition. It wasn't about, you know, being the best you can be as a basketball player. It was about being the best you can be as a, as a person, specifically within a Christian context. Oh, yeah. So it seems to me that um, what you've done here with this book called um, Motivating Illustrations of Faith in Basketball is you've created um, a connection that goes beyond what, what Naismith originally intended 
That is, we're not getting towards character development necessarily and stopping there. No, we're connecting basketball and the church. Here's how we can understand both. If you understand basketball, here's how you can understand the church. If you understand the church, here's how you can understand basketball. Mm -hmm. Am I getting that right? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Um, It was, and the more I kept looking at those concepts, and and I also used a book by uh, Kevin J. Connor. He is a theologian. A biblical historian did a lot of research with symbolism and and the Bible, so I was able to take scripture-based research of sim- symbolism and relate basket to provision because a basket represents provision in the Bible. So I would relate: well, what provision do I have with this basket, and how does it affect my life over time? And how can how can four quarters represent my signs and seasons of my life? When I'm in first quarter of my first 20 to 25 years, second quarter, when I'm 50, that's half of my life. It's halftime. And then or if you're playing golf, you're on the back nine, you know, something like that. You understand what I'm saying? So, again, when you can take these basic principles and then break them down to how does this affect me biblically? Am I where I'm supposed to be? And sometimes that would help a lot of athletes in my perspective. Um when you can find your rightful place in that sport, because everybody it's great. I mean, I was on that journey to be a professional athlete, but if you don't become one, there's more things that you can do and be successful at in that sport. If you're in the will of God. And I think that will help a lot of athletes potentially once they can, can make the connection. And that's the thing is making the connection. If I can make the connection, then I can look at the big picture and look through God's eyes and see, well, I can do a whole lot more with that than I could with this. You understand what I'm saying? So and I think that's why when we were talking, you know, previously, uh, you know, you know, what's my success? Am I successful at, at this level? I am because I got this material that I can build a program. I can in any setting, any I can take this book concepts and I can go work with a youth league or I can work with a pro league. I can work with a, you know, college league just because of the fact that God has no respect to person. So if that's the case, then that's the same thing with these athletes. I mean, and I can kind of see with his eyes, like, not that I'm a prophet cause I'm not, but I can see like, well, if I can teach him how to be a two guard, he can see things before they happen. Or he can see things on the floor before they happen, before he takes a shot. Because in my sports psychology background, they call that flow. They call it flow. But in our world, we call it faith. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So again, and then or in their world, they call it confidence. We call it faith. Okay. so therefore teaching those principles will help you know, athletes and, you know, become greater mentally and spiritually when they play the game. Because again, I think too, there's a spirituality that, you know, people bring to the table when they play sports. I mean, how, how exciting is it when you see a guy take up from the free throw line and dunk a ball? Or if you see a guy shoot the ball from half court, man, that's exciting because the, the spirit of the room is like up here, you know, and 
just being able to have faith to do that is remarkable. I, I, I was blessed to play with players that could actually dunk from the free throw line in college. And man, and, and it was actually during a game. And he was only six five. And I asked him after he did it, I said, Do you realize you took off from the elbow? He said, No. I said, Oh, okay. And then he shot his free throw <laughs> and we kept playing. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that back then, I would I didn't share this earlier, but I would read 23rd Psalms from I believe middle school, high school, and even the college before I played. And I did that for protection and I never got injured, never got injured. And I don't know because of that, but I believe that he would protect me. And it was, I actually knew I was actually trying to do mental skill basketball in high school and college before I even knew what it was. I would go get mentally prepared at third quarter of the JV game in high school and sit in my locker by myself with my Bible because I got to turn into Superman before I go out here and play. You know what I mean? It was almost like a flip switch, but that was that just, that's just who I was. So taking that and then taking those beliefs and concepts and putting them in a book and relating them to basketball in the Bible was big for me. Um, because I didn't think I could do anything else or more with basketball than I'm doing now. And I can't because that scripture about I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me is true because I can take this concept and bring it to life with the word of God. Now, again, like I said before, it doesn't replace the word. It, all it does is give reference to it to help athletes get back to Christ. It's all about reconciliation. Because, again, you hear people throw these words around. Well, what's life after basketball? Well, what's life after when you get cut? Or what's life? After, is there any more life to it? Or is life's just beginning with that sport when you get done with that level? Because I've refereed basketball. Um, I actually was going to be a ref at the college level before I took this job. But then the job came and I took the college job. And I've been coaching college ever since. So I've refed it. I played it. I coached it. And those are three sets of eyes that are different perspectives. And I was to be able to take all those perspectives and be able to have compassion and relationship in everybody's profession at each level, because I can see through those eyes because I've been in those seats. But again, I mean, I, I, I think it's a great thing. Like I said, I just hope more could, um, you know, read the book that that's in the basketball world so they can kind of get a very better understanding of what direction that I'm trying to go with it because it's not for your average reader. It's for people that are in basketball that are trying to find not only who they are, but what they can become through Christ. You know what I mean? You know, Michael, the <clears throat> I love what you're doing here with – the game of basketball and spirituality and what you're really unearthing and exploring uh, as we go through and trying to live it as you go. You know, the, the, the church in general, but maybe the Protestant church in particular has had a harder time with sort of um, that spiritual influence, uh, that Holy spirit influence that you talked about in terms of the origin of your book. Mm -hmm. And then, 
in some ways, the the materialness, right? Mm-hmm. We we spend we spend a lot of time in our heads, and your your use of uh, actual artifacts and you know physical objects, uh, and how you're trying to draw some connections and some symbolism from them, mm-hmm. uh, I think could be helpful for people entering or thinking about other sports as well or other activities as well. I think there's some connection there. I wonder how you as a coach, cause you live on the ground, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're connecting these, this wide array of thoughts, mm-hmm. right? That you, you, your head hits the pillow at night and you can't sleep because all these things are coming together. Sure. You're connecting these wide array of thoughts. And then every day you're out there with your sneakers on, you're blowing the whistle and you're coaching. Tell me maybe uh, just an example of how you writing this book or you thinking through these sorts of things has changed you as a coach. Well, um, I would say this, the culture of coaching when I was a ball player growing up, you know, I'm sure you guys can attest to this. You're back in the eighties and early nineties, your coaches were more hands-on. They were yelling your face. They would get, get close to you. You know, that was the type of coach that was, that was mental toughness back then. Okay. Now, granted, you can't do that now. So I was so used to coaches yelling when I first started out, I thought that was what I was supposed to do. But now I take more of a calmness type coaching perspective now. Um, I think taking those concepts and then obviously spending time with 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 the Lord and 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 reading, I take more of a I take more of a relaxation approach where I, I'm not yelling as much now, and I'm not getting upset about things that I used to get upset now because there's a peace that passes all understanding that's coming upon me now when I'm doing it. You understand what I'm saying? So when I'm taking on this approach now, so whatever that you love for him, you have to become. So therefore the expression that you hear sometimes, well, you got to become the ball. Well, that's easier said than done uh, because that ball went through a lot to become something that had to die for it to come to life. But at the same time, which also means we have to die to self and become the example when we're teaching. That's the thing. So I think from that aspect, from the book, when it comes to me out there in the field coaching, that's what I'm trying to become. Now, it's the culture is still there. But the principles and who I'm still becoming is gradually growing. And I think that's the beauty part of, you know, being able to still coach and be relevant to the young, the young generation. And that's the one thing I think that's only keeping me relevant is because of that book. Because, again, the Bible speaks to the past, present and future. Right. So when a generation change we worry about being relevant. We worry about being heard or, 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 or being able to teach. So I try not to worry too much about that, but it does on the human side affect me because I'm worried about, man, am I still going to be relevant? Are these kids going to still listen to me when I recruit them? Are they still going to be coachable? <laughs> but what I try to do is rely on my faith and then also rely on experience and let that still teach them because guess what? It still works. Push-ups and sit-ups still work. 
the Bible still works. So we have to believe in our system because it was established on a good foundation. So we have to continue to do that. And I think that's what I rely on when it comes to those concepts and being able to coach out in the field. So you relate, um, you make a connection between a basketball coach and a priest. Yes. Yes. And I wonder, do you, do you see yourself as, um, as a priest or priest like, does that change how you behave? I mean, priests, we don't see priests generally as, as yellers. And you mentioned sure. early on in basketball coaching, you saw yourself as a yeller because that's what your model coaches had done. Sure. I was in the same boat. Oh, um, yeah. But you, 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 uh, you mentioned that you have more peace now. And I imagine that comes along with other fruits of the spirit, like oh, gentleness definitely. and self-control, yeah. which seem to be more priest-like. Sure. Right. So do you see yourself as a priest, as a coach then? Absolutely. Because again, coaching and preaching is, is like the same thing. Now, granted, you're on two different platforms, but you can get the same message. You know what I mean? And and you, what you do is you take the message and you re, and you you make it relevant to them, which means there's no different than Apostle Paul relating to the Corinthians. Okay. He met them where they were so they can understand it. So I'm not a perfect guy, but I try to get better at what I do through him while I'm teaching. So again, you want to be current where you can understand them and relate to them so they can understand it. Uh, Cause sometimes, you know, you'll use, I take for like if you use basketball language, um, you know, if you tell them to like, you know, get a rebound or or if you give them one of those like, coach, what does that mean? Then you have to explain it, you know, because because in the 80s and 90s, that basketball language was still with us. But they may not hear that terminology. You know, somebody may say pick and pop. I may say pick and roll. OK, but again, it's the language. But you have to meet them where they are. Uh, but definitely, I mean, coaches may not feel that they're, they're not, uh, you know, a minister or a priest, but it's definitely correlated like the same. Cause when you're, when you're coaching, you're teaching, you're preaching to them. I mean, and the biggest thing is we just have to co- continue to learn how to, you know, be confident in who we are and when we coaching and, and what we represent for Christ and, and don't be afraid to share your faith either. Um, I think that's another thing as coaches, because, again, and the reason why I say this, because there's a lot of platforms with not just FCA. You got uh, coaches, uh, nation of coaches, which are Christian organizations trying to keep coaches and families together because there's a high divorce rate of, you know, coaches being so gone and recruiting and, and, and living that lifestyle where something suffers. So we have to have something to bring us back. And one of the biggest things is that, you know, you look at, you know, the church as family, right? So I've tried to figure out a way to how to get the family involved. So one of the things I did in the past was my wife could sing. She grew up singing in the church. That's how I met her. And then I would have her do the national anthem to get them involved because I don't want to be the only one doing it. See, basketball for me is like ministry. See, so therefore, in my ministry, you know, who's being blessed? What are you doing to help bless them? You know, I, I give my I, I know I give my players scriptures of the day. Uh, I have a, a team chaplain that comes in and prays with them. Um, so I try to do some unique things to kind of 
bring those things to the table because basketball is ministry. So we should look at ourselves as, you know, preachers or, or ministers as, as coaches. You know, Michael, uh, I think many of our listeners are, are being reminded here of uh, the things that we all know, but it's easy to get caught up in the, in the activity of the day. Sure. Um, and, and sometimes we, uh, it, it helps all of us to encourage each other and to remind each other of um, how faith is so central to the work that we all do in mm-hmm. whether it be in coaching, uh, in teaching, in administrating, uh, and certainly working with people that are searching, right? And mm-hmm. that uh, I think we find that a lot um, in in this sort of work that uh, we feel like we have opportunities to connect and you've talked about your opportunities to to connect as well. Um, I just want to thank you for getting into this space and doing this sort of work. I think it's been uh, fascinating for us to hear uh, and for our listeners to hear as well. And um, your book uh, title again, is it motivating illustrations of faith in basketball? Mm -hmm. And I just encourage people to go out and and take a look at that. You can find it, I think on Amazon and get started there. Um, And do you have a, do you have a follow-up work that you, you think you're headed toward here, Michael? Yeah. Well, I had an opportunity to talk to, uh, well, I'm not talked to, I was at a conference called C-Skills, and I believe it represents Conference for Kinesiology uh, Studies of Leisure and Sports and, and Faith in Sports, okay? And I did the presentation on that book, and I got some um, guys of academia that wants to do a little bit of research and some more digging and for me to do some more digging because you brought up a good valid point where this information can work in all sports. And the reason why it possibly can is because Naismith took, I believe, if you look in the front of my book, I think it was eight sports, seven to eight sports to create basketball and volleyball was birthed out of basketball. So there is a lot of significance to that. And then understanding that Pop Warner, William Morgan that created volleyball, James Naismith, and another one, all of these guys that created sports were Ivy League educated. They were highly intelligent. So I have a responsibility as a coach to be educated and be in a sport and be faithful because a lot of them went to a lot of them had biblical principle as well. If if they didn't really say it, they, it, they had it. Definitely. They definitely had it. You know, you mentioned C-Skills, which is an organization that's been around for 30 plus years and uh, has done terrific work bringing scholars and practitioners who are interested in this sport and leisure and health and kinesiology connection uh, to Christianity, right? So this is a a terrific organization, Sport Faith Life, um, that the organization that we're a part of right now uh, and puts out this podcast is is very well connected to C skills uh, awesome. and and uh, it's it's been a great connection and many of us have learned so much the, from the materials that they've been able to put out and also the conferences they've been able to host. Looking ahead, uh, Sport Faith Life is is connected to the Global Congress on Sport and Christianity, and I just love to invite you out there, uh, Michael. Absolutely. We've had uh, two of them already. Uh, the first one was in England, uh, and people from all around the world come together to talk about this. Um, 
this connection between this intersection between mm-hmm. sport and faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one was was here on the campus of Calvin University, uh, connected with Hope College as well. And then the third one will is scheduled for uh, next August, actually. Uh, August 2022 mm-hmm. in back in England at uh, uh, near Cambridge Uni- uh, University. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we know we live in a time right now where uh, plans are tentative, mm-hmm. but the plan is for this converse, conference to meet and okay. for it to be in person. So get that on your calendar. We'd love okay. to see you out there. That would be fabulous. Oh, um, yeah. i never yeah, been so to England, so it'd be great. This is your chance. This is your chance. <laughs> That's right. Uh, come on out. That'll be fantastic. So, right. yeah, just to all the listeners, we just want to uh, alert you to that and just keep watching for uh, new information about that conference. Michael, thanks so much for spending this time with us today. It's just been great to get to know you. Listen, Brian, I, I really appreciate it. Um, this is definitely an honor for me. Um, you don't even know it. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I hope to come back, you know, once a year at least just to chat with you guys and um, and even give you guys give more more window to talk about your perspective on basketball or any feedback that you can give to help me on my journey or how I can help you on your journey. Um, I think this is awesome. Um, I just love the fact that there's not just me that has this desire and there's other people in the world that 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 kind of feels somewhat how you feel about sport and faith and, and how that affects you. And so I think this is a great opportunity and great honor, man. I really appreciate it. Same thing to you, Chad. I really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, I'd like to just give a shout out to Dr. Dennis Feltwell. He was the one that turned me on to you guys and C-Skills. Uh, he's a professor here. He's been working with me uh, with this information and trying to uh, help it come to life. So just uh, I thank you guys, all you got. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com. Thank you.